0: there and welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm
1: Scott Eisenberg.
0: And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That
1: we do that we do
0: and today we have a special guest on the podcast we do we have our good friend Brucker from the infamous autopsy of a horror movie podcast
2: yes yes yes, yes. thank you scott and freaky so much for having me on and for that lovely introduction that i felt like i was about to step out of a limo or something here <laughs>
0: <laughs> so before we get started before we talk about what movie we're gonna get into today Brooker, why don't you tell the folks at home all about your podcast?
2: Thank you. Yeah, so uh, Autopsy of a Horror Movie. It's a really fun uh, horror movie podcast. If you're into horror, I think it would be something that you'll be really into or maybe if something that, you know, you're kind of skeptical about the genre that I think also be kind of a good stepping stone into it as well. I cover movies and TV shows. It's not just a sort of like scene-by-scene recap. It's more of kind of like an analysis of what was scary about it, the types of fears they tap into, the blending of subgenres they all do, and fun special topic episodes as well. So Autopsy of a Horror Movie can be found anywhere, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brooker Horror.
0: Alrighty, so because we have our friend Brooker with us today, horror extraordinaire, we thought we would dip our toes in a bit of a horror-esque movie, Scotty, what movie did you introduce me and Brucker to today?
1: Not only did we go horror, but we went a little nerdy, too, with it. We are doing 2019's Brightburn, produced by James Gunn, written by his brother and his cousin.
0: Yes, Brian and Mark.
2: Oh, nepotism. I love it.
1: (laughs) And it's basically the Superman story slightly twisted. Yes. So, let's let's start with our guest. I know we usually go f- ladies first, but we have a guest here.
0: Oh yes, no guests always go first. That is the polite
1: thing. That is the polite thing. So, Brucker, what was your initial opinions of Brightburn?
2: Oh, I, I loved this movie. The first time I saw it, when when you know we were chatting about you know, what to what to record on. Uh, one I think I guess I guess it was Scott that brought up Brightburn in the Twitter DMs and I said you know what I haven't seen that movie and that's been on my watch list for a long time so go ahead and just pull the trigger and do it and man this was so much fun I really enjoyed this movie my my so I guess that was my initial opinions were just like fucking rad I loved Brightburn
0: (laughs) yeah I I enjoyed it as well I probably didn't enjoy it as much as Brucker
2: (laughs) that's fair that's fair
0: But, like, I liked it. That's the thing. Like, I don't want to seem like I'm shitting on it. But I just felt that it came off, like, a first draft of a script. Like, the pacing was very, very, very fast. And usually that's a good thing. But in this, I feel like it was a little rushed, I feel like I blinked, and the Superman kid was like, normal, la di da I'm going to school, mom and dad. And then I blinked again, and then he was like a serial killer. And I don't know where, like how we jumped from here to there.
1: Yeah, so I do agree there are some pacing issues. When I first saw it, I was a little confused what I wanted to feel about it. Because I do like the idea a lot. Especially now with all superhero movies being so popular, taking those stories we all know really well and twisting them just enough to be horror-centric is a lot of fun. And Superman being a god is an easy way to twist.
0: <laughs> but- well, yeah, they they kind of played with that a little bit in uh, the current DCEU nightmare set of movies. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I so I guess I should like preface my opinion on this with I, I I'm I'm a fan of Superman. Well, kind of. Uh, there's certainly like I didn't like read the comic books or anything like that. But when I was a kid, I was exposed to Smallville, the, the TV show. So I kind of grew up watching Smallville. And Scott
0: loves Smallville, so I, <laughs> you guys are buddies.
2: <laughs> so this, so I don't know. I've always been interested in the character of Clark Kent specifically, not. Superman, the adult, but more of just like Clark Kent, the human being, and kind of like his duality and all the dilemmas he kind of comes with, because he has to like approach them from, okay, I need to approach it like how a human would, even though I could just like just bend the whole world to my will if I wanted to. But it's because of his like upbringing, you know, from the Kents, they've kind of instilled a lot of really good morals in him and. And that's something that I loved about this movie is that it could have gone a billion different directions and they decided to go with, let's focus on the parents and let's make this a story about parenthood. And that's what that's what I was getting about this because it doesn't matter how hard you try at being a good parent, you can still raise the next Jeffrey Dahmer. And that's kind of like what this movie was about for me.
0: Definitely, I think that was the strongest aspect of the movie for sure. Like the two parents, I definitely had the strongest connection to them
1: yeah they definitely played really well off each other my one thing i really want from this movie i want like 10 more minutes of just brandon being a kid
2: yes i agree That that is one of my criticisms of this
0: Yeah, I think it just needed more time to breathe because really like it's 90 minutes. And usually when you're talking about a 90 minute movie, you're talking about like a kid's movie is 90 minutes because, you know, we got to keep the attention span of the children. They're very small. But like this could have very easily just been stretched out a little bit. That's why I I said it felt like a first draft because we were just kind of like going through the bullet points of the plot the budget for this movie was only six million dollars and I think I remember when this came out I don't think there was really anything else big out at the time anyone who was going to the movie theater was going to see this so it made 32.9 million dollars the box office and I guess because of that James Gunn has gone on record saying that a sequel is in the works but it's not gonna happen for a while because he's busy with guardians and suicide squad and all that marvel bullshit
2: yeah i don't i don't know if i really want a sequel from this to be honest but i didn't know i wanted this movie in the first place so maybe i could be surprised
0: <laughs> so this movie was directed by a mr david Yaravesky, and this was his second feature film i couldn't really find anything particularly interesting about him i I didn't know any of his previous work but i i did notice that he looked like he could be a singer in like an alternate rock band from
1: 2009 i know he's in the original guardians of the galaxy movie oh really He, he is credited as the emo ravager (laughs) <laughs>
2: okay <laughs> word oh that guy i remember him <laughs> oh shoot i think i got his t-shirt actually in my closet
0: yeah right Uh all right so are we ready to get into the nitty gritty oh, yes
1: please. uh we can get into the nitty and the gritty we start out in the past and we can tell it's the past because elizabeth bank has a purple streak in her hair <laughs> she's young and hip <laughs>
2: This was a complete homage to what was that Jim Carrey movie with the dreams, of Eternal Sunshine? Oh yeah, that's pretty God. much what that was.
0: <laughs> I love that you just referenced that movie. <laughs> that's on my list to get Scott to watch that.
2: Oh, you'll thank your wife. For, oh, it's for so good. It. I'm sorry, I had to be able to get this off track. Bright burn, purple hair.
0: Elizabeth Banks plays Tori, who is the mother in this movie. This came out the same year as Lego Movie Two and the Charlie's Angels remake. So Elizabeth Banks was having a rough go at this point. (laughs) 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 You know, it's not like it was 2017 where she was in the Power Rangers movie, which we also did an episode on. And it also starred the father in this movie, who is...
1: David Denman, who is, in another review of ours, The Replacements.
0: But yeah, he plays Kyle. Like I mentioned before, and also Brucker as well, their performances in the movies, I think... The highlight, probably.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and as a young couple, they're having problems conceiving. That's their major issue, but we cut to, pretty quickly, there's a crash outside their house.
0: Oh, yeah, we get no opening, like, little, oh, a day in the life on the farm with Tori and Kyle. No, we just go right into aliens crashing on the front lawn. I'm like, okay. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and like part of me kind of appreciates that like a tiny bit because it's just like, hey, this movie has to say something and we're getting right to it. But also, you know, I kind of would have liked a little bit more of, I don't know, a two, maybe three minute montage of like their courtship or something like that to lead up to this or to have like a little bit more attachment to them. But it's interesting because it's very much still flipping the script on how people think of Martha and Jonathan Kent. It's like, This this ain't your mama's Kents, you know, these Kents fuck.
0: Yeah, I don't think Ma and Pa Kent ever had a sex scene. Well, not like a full-fledged sex scene, but you know what I mean. They're getting a little frisky. But also, like, it reminds me kind of... um when they did the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies so closely after the Tobey Maguire ones and they kind of just fast forwarded through all the Michigas, like the the backstory shit because they're like we know you already know all of this (laughs) and it's like on one hand you appreciate it but on the other hand it's so obvious that you're rushing so it's like I don't know if you can really win either way
1: we don't need to see Uncle Ben die again
2: the dudes in the ground just get over it yeah
0: (laughs) the more recent one with Tom Holland they didn't even have Uncle Ben they're like fuck it we we don't need him anymore (laughs) we're done with uncle ben
1: (laughs) so we basically now get a little bit of brandon Breyer as a young kid it was cute but wasn't it all just
2: like him as a baby in a diaper like that's it like
0: he was wearing overalls too
1: (laughs) brocker
2: okay okay (laughs) i forgot he's on the farm (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i gotta put him in overalls
1: well there's actually something that comes up later that i would have loved here like just a little moment of like Oh, David Denman's running after little Brandon, and Brandon falls and, like, hits his head, but he's perfectly fine. Yeah. Because it does come up later that he's never bled. That's suspicious. That's weird. We fast forward to 10 years later, and we get Elizabeth Banks playing what I have dubbed the whistle game to kind of play hide and seek with Brandon.
2: It kind of reminded me of like the the clapping game from The Conjuring. That's what it made me think of.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's actually a good one. It's kind of like a cute thing. So, after a nice little family moment and a reference to Shrek.
0: (laughs) Why is it? Oh, because not every. If you reference waffles, that does not mean that the dad says, I want to make waffles. And Scott's like, (laughs) I'm going to make waffles. But that's not a reference to Shrek, you idiot. (laughs) He just wanted to make the joke
2: Oh my god I'm with Scott I I immediately thought about Shrek When when that came up (laughs) Really?
0: Yeah Oh my god You guys are funny
1: We can stay up late Swapping manly stories And in the morning I'm making waffles So we cut to this This random school day And Brandon's Being asked a question about Bees and wasps
0: The kids are like Making fun of him Because he's a nerd You know Typical Uh, you're smart, so I'm going to make fun of you because I'm insecure about me being stupid. Like, it's, you know, obvious bully shit, which is fine.
1: (laughs) Brandon gets a little attention from a young lady.
0: Ooh, they're 12. (laughs) (laughs) It gets even worse because then later on when, like, his powers start emerging he starts legit creeping on this 12 year old girl and he's 12 too so it's not like creepy in that way but it's just it's creepy just in a general creepy way
2: it was creepy enough to where my girlfriend and i were watching this and she went is he about to sexually assault this little girl here and we were like on pins and needles a little bit
0: when he comes back later in the movie into a room i, w- yeah. I was scared that that's where they were going a little bit and i got scared
1: <laughs> yeah a lot of people have also said that this beam wasping is kind of what brandon does
0: i saw the connection there that's why i felt again like this is kind of like baby's first superhero movie because it's like oh okay we're doing this whole long drawn out thing about wasps or predators and to connect with the i, I get you aha.
2: Hey, you know what? Y'all are, y'all are pointing that out to me. I didn't even think about that, so <laughs> I'll, I'll take
1: it.
0: We've been watching too many movies. That's probably why.
1: So the next scene we cut to is Brandon's got to mow the lawn. Brandon can't get the lawnmower started, so with one big pull, he launches the lawnmower hundreds of yards away.
0: Yeah, that's not, that's not concerning at all. I did wonder, though, after that scene was over. I'm like, what? well, obviously he didn't mow the lawn. So, like, did his dad get, like, mad at him? They think he just, like, blew up <laughs> mowing the lawn.
2: Oh, that's hilarious. He still gets grounded.
0: But I did want to mention the, the kid that plays Brandon in the movie. His name is Jackson Dunn. And he actually has another connection to a superhero movie. In Avengers Endgame, do you remember the scene where Ant Man is sent back and forth to different times, whenever and turning into a baby, and then a yes. teenager did it. He played like 12 year old Scott Lang in that little crazy sequence where the Hulk keeps fucking with his body.
2: Oh, I got his t shirt too. Okay. Somebody peed my pants. I don't know if it was
1: baby me or old me, or just me, me. A couple nights before this, Brandon is asleep. And this is kind of important. I have to bring this up. And the ship starts to call to him.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, the the parents had kind of locked his magical spaceship underneath the barn in, like, this little hatch. And he starts sleepwalking, quote-unquote. And the mom, Tori, finds him in the barn pulling at the door to the hatch. She, like, touches his shoulder and he, like, freaks out like he didn't even know what he was doing. It's It's a creepy little ominous scene there
2: yeah i'm kind of curious what y'all's opinion is about the whole evil voices from the ship he's hearing in his head making him do stuff how did y'all feel about that
1: well i think if you play up the sleeper agent kind of thing and it's like he's fighting what he's learned from his parents for the past 10 years versus the voices in his head But again, we need to see him before the voices more.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I appreciate that it's something. I was like, okay, so that's how they're going to twist this to make him become evil. But I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. But it's something, so I guess I'll give it credit for that.
1: I actually think this is, yes, it is the Superman story, but it's also kind of like the Dragon Ball story going... Even nerdier because Goku. Oh jeez.
2: That's a name I haven't heard in a long time.
1: Goku was initially meant to come and destroy the world. Mm-hmm. Superman was sent to be like the savior. So it's more like Goku than it is like Superman. But that's a whole nother nerdy conversation.
2: Dude, I I want I want a five hundred word essay on that on my desk on Monday. I got uh, it. Like legit.
1: <laughs> so after all this, we cut to his birthday. Oh I
0: oh this scene irritated me. <laughs> Okay, so he's at like a Chuck E. Cheese knockoff, essentially, is what I it read to me as. He's there with his parents and his aunt and uncle, and fucking Uncle Noah decides, oh, you know, it'll be a real good gift for a twelve-year-old boy, <laughs> a fucking rifle, like <laughs> a legit rifle. And I fuck, he opens it, and I said to Scott, I'm like. That's not a real gun, is it? It's like an airsoft gun or something. He's like, no, that's a real gun. I'm like, fucking, fucking South is weird, man. I don't know, like,
2: it's so (laughs) fucked. It's so (laughs) fucked. And the most messed up part about it is that Brandon's dad even goes, "Hey, I told you, no, we we're not comfortable with this." And I did appreciate that they kind of flipped the script on this a little bit. That the dad's more upset about this than than the mom.
0: But then Brandon is pissed that. The dad took the gun away, and hijinks ensue.
1: <laughs> yes, Brandon immediately turns to his father and goes, "Give it to me!" And of course, there is electrical ch- canary going on as Brandon is freaking out. Kyle goes, "We're out of here."
2: Birthday's canceled. You're not 12. You're 11 again.
1: You're, yeah. You are <laughs> birthday over.
2: He just gets out like like a little like certificate that says 12 and writes void on it. <laughs> <laughs> i revoke your age change
0: turns the watch backwards (laughs) uh
2: i will say uh, in this scene i kind of like that they left it a little vague on what all his abilities are so i actually kind of enjoyed that that part
1: so they go home and the next morning kyle finds brandon eating a fork
0: the way it's played off it's like he got lost in thought or something and like went into some kind of trance state and just started eating the fork and it was weird because it made the most horrible like cringy sound and I was like what the fuck is that I didn't even realize it was the fucking movie at first I thought it was like something in the house I'm like what is that and then I look and he's eating the fork I'm like oh <laughs>
2: you're like Scott are you eating silverware again I don't- <laughs> <laughs> oh you <laughs> I'm so happy that we didn't get like in the mouth cam for this and just like seeing it like mash oh against God, his yeah, teeth, agh, 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 agh.
1: like Magic School Bus shit. Yeah. <laughs> so Kyle goes to go bring this up to Tori, but Tori has found his PG thirteen stash of porn.
0: Well, well, I guess it's PG thirteen at first, <laughs> and then it's
1: a little uh, serial killery with people's insides. And hey, this is a uh, big red flag.
0: Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of movies like this where there's like an evil child or some kind of problem with kids in a movie. In order for the movie to happen, the parents a lot of times have to be stupid. (laughs) They have to be ignorant or negligent or just plain dumb. And that's kind of what's happening here. I wouldn't say they're dumb. I would say it's more negligent or in denial.
2: I guess I'll, I'll give uh, Lori here like a little bit of credit because she did try to speak to the school counselor or psychologist about it saying like, should I be worried about this? She's like, no, he's a boy. Just, just they do weird things. Yeah. So I guess that she at least tried.
0: But just to mention like the aunt being the counselor, because later on in the movie, we'll get to it. But as his behavior is getting more and more out of pocket, the school is like okay we're gonna have him go and meet with the counselor on a regular basis and someone in the movie says yeah his fucking aunt that doesn't make any sense and in my head i'm like yeah no that really doesn't make any sense like it's his aunt like
2: yeah well to to play devil's advocate here i kind of felt like that this movie was trying to like force it in our faces there's how like middle america like this setting is because like you know they're in a small town they know everyone they don't even have a Chuck E. cheese they go to this you know, rink-a-dink place or whatever you know he, he's a product of his environment kind of just being surrounded by people that sort of like raised him and they don't have like i guess the resources to get a second counselor to <laughs> to talk to him
0: yeah, this town only has one counselor.
2: And it's this <laughs> there's, person.
0: There's no towns outside that can come in and help this child that's clearly having a mental breakdown.
1: But then we cut to night where Kyle hears his chickens freaking the fuck out. And who's standing in front of the chickens? Brandon. Staring ever so
0: creepily, just thinking about a 10-piece Extra Crispy. <laughs>
1: He
2: could probably make it with his little, like, eye heat vision thing. That would be kind of cool. Right?
0: Everyone loves a 10-piece nugget.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Kyle sends Brandon off, like, oh, it's time to go to bed. And then later that night, the chickens freak out again. He comes back, and they're all dead.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And this kind of plays into what you two were talking about at the beginning, how, like, the pacing here is sometimes not great. It was just, like, set up, boom, execution immediately
1: we have our horror expert here. So he'll, uh I feel like a lot of uh, present day horror tends to be like, Oh, we know you're here to get to the kills and the meat of everything. Let's get there.
2: Yeah. I guess it was kind of just like, we just need one more thing to show that he's evil. Just have him massacre a bunch of chickens. There's fitted in somewhere. Yeah. I hate chickens. The I'm-
1: chicken killed my father.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he automatically, he goes to Tori, he goes, the chickens are dead. I think it was Brandon. And Tori's like, no, it was probably a wolf. He goes, a wolf can't rip a door off its hinges.
0: Oh, no, no. It was the wolf. See, the wolf just climbed up onto the door (laughs) and did its little wolfy claws into the fucking lock.
2: And then he huffed and he puffed and he blew the door down. Yeah, he
1: huffed and he puffed. (laughs) He fucked up those chickens, bro. Look at all those chickens. We also get a scene where as we said before, Brandon goes to the little girl who showed him some attention's house. He, he opens her computer and starts playing a love song.
0: That was so yucky. I just felt very dirty watching that. I'm not opposed to like a gross... Scene in the right context, but it's like we're watching, it's 12 year olds. Like, it's weird.
2: (laughs) It is weird.
0: Like, you shouldn't feel gross, perverted feelings from 12 year olds. Yucky.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But she does see him and does tell her mother that it was him. So she knows it's Brandon. And the next day, they're doing like a little trust exercise at school. And she lets Brandon fall to the floor and calls him a pervert
0: which like, you know, fair.
2: And also the gym teacher here, was just like
0: the gym teacher here i don't know where he went to school you don't
2: (laughs) do a trust fall exercise on concrete let's let's just not do that i feel like that should be rule number one
0: how many of those fucking like rubber mats that they have in those goddamn schools that we sat on to do sit ups and shit no one gave a shit about we didn't need them for those but when we're doing trust falls Mm -hmm. i think that's necessary you know
2: what if it's not in the budget if rubber mats aren't in the budget you're not doing trust falls you're playing duck duck goose like you're doing anything else
0: and also, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of gym class. Not the most athletic person was I.
2: Find me a person that was a fan of gym class.
0: Maybe I was asleep during the trust fall gym class, but I don't remember ever doing trust falls
2: no, in gym class. because they don't want the kids touching each other.
0: No, they don't want that. <laughs> like maybe in theater class, like drama, but not, no, no, no. <laughs> let's play dodgeball or badminton because you know so many people play badminton in real fucking life <laughs> I mean haven't you ever sat down with a tub of popcorn and some weenies and watched a fucking badminton tournament
2: well I got my badminton draft next week so I'm, I'm really I'm really getting excited for fantasy
0: I hate I'm gonna go on a rant I hated badminton so much I hated gym in general but I hated badminton I don't understand the purpose of it Like, why not just play tennis then? Because tennis, at least the ball's a little bigger. So if you want to swat at it, you have a better chance of hitting it. The fucking little birdie was like the size of a pin. (laughs) Why am I supposed to hit that? I'm going on a rant. I'm sorry. Okay, now I'm done. Let's continue with this movie before I have a heart attack. (laughs) I'm having terrible flashbacks to middle school.
1: So the gym teacher like we said this yells at the little girl to help Brandon up and Brandon breaks her wrist yeah
2: fucking awesome not gonna lie loved it
0: Legit. and they show like they showed her hand a breaking i was like ooh that was this,
2: this this was a very uh ter- very much a turning point in the movie this was hard to watch
1: we get another scene where Brandon gets called to the ship and it's this time he does get it open and he's fucking hovering over the ship. As Tori calls to him and then he falls and actually does cut himself on the ship. He bleeds for the first time.
2: In my opinion, this was kind of a clever way to show his one weakness here, uh, which is the ship. Again, kind of like a direct parallel to Superman, but I, th- I thought it was a cool way to reveal that.
1: It is. I Again, I would have liked... Because we only find out about him never bleeding... Very shortly before this. Mm. So if we had found out that information earlier on, I think this would have had more weight to it. That's a good point. He now looks at his mother and he goes, what the hell is this? And she goes, oh, you're from outer space. (laughs) I always thought of you as a gift from like the heavens, basically. And Brandon freaks the fuck out.
0: Which again fair yeah (laughs) like you know he freaks out and he just says he hates them and they're liars starts ripping shit off in the house and runs off to his room like a typical angsty teen (laughs) did the parents think that they were gonna be able to hide that from him forever like that he's a fucking alien they think they think it was never gonna come up i get your desire to want that but logically speaking that's probably not realistic you know what i mean
1: No, it's it's not realistic. Eventually, kids do find out everything.
0: When we watched the original Superman movie, like the, what, 70-something Superman movie... I said, like, I had a whole argument with Scott about, like, well, if a fucking kid fell out of the sky in a spaceship, I don't know if I would necessarily just decide, oh, I'm not going to tell anyone about this and just take the kid in as my own and pretend that he's not potentially an alien. (laughs) Nothing can go wrong. Like, I don't think I would do that. But Scott was like, well, what would you do? Who are you going to tell? They're going to think you're crazy. I'm like, no, they won't because I'm going to show them, look at this crater in the ground in this spaceship with this baby in it. Like, it's, you know, logic.
2: I guess it also depends on whether or not it lands in the field of people that want to have kids. If they didn't want to have kids, they might just be like, fuck this kid. Like, 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 <laughs> like fuck this kid. I'm not paying your medical I'm bills. Out. Get out of here. Like,
1: So, Brandon has also been hearing words from the ship and- He has translated the words into English that basically say, take the world.
0: Yeah, that's not concerning at
1: all. (laughs) And we get the first look of him staring dead into the camera, shooting laser beams through the camera. Awesome shot. Yes. Yeah, that was a good shot. Yes, very cool. Immediately after freaking out on his parents and realizing that he is a conqueror of the world, he goes back to the girl's house. And stands over her bed, basically spewing a manifesto of creepiness. And she goes, my mom said I can't talk to you. And he says, I'll take care of that. Ugh. Then we get the first instance of evil Superman.
0: Oh, my God. This
1: We're at the diner. We're at the diner.
0: Okay, I hated this scene so much. I didn't even watch most of it because of what happened in the scene. You you explain what happens, and then I'll explain why I couldn't look. Yeah, this
2: is this is when we start to step straight into horror.
1: <laughs> the mom is counting out money because she's a waitress here at the diner. Electricity starts sparking. The windows fog up. Brandon symbols all over the w- windows. It's
0: it's like an opening sequence from a supernatural
1: episode. <laughs> she stares up at a light that's flickering. Mm-mm.
0: Mm-mm. And Mm-mm.
1: nope. The light explodes. Oh my God. No, 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 And glass rains on to her.
0: Oh, it gets her right in the eye. I can't. I can't.
1: And we
2: linger on this for a while. Oh, oh yeah. my
0: God. So long.
2: <laughs> this was the most intense, like, eye trauma I think I've seen. Oh, I can't. Yikes.
0: Blood in movies never really bothers me, I want to say, mm-hmm. I, really ever. But, like, when it comes to eyes, like, nope, 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 nope. No hell no 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 i refuse no and it's the blood and the eye and the glass in there everything together is a recipe for frankie turning away <laughs> from the tv and screaming no over and over and over
2: again yeah yeah there's a lot of screaming going on in my household as well yeah it <laughs> yeah that was that, this this was rough but it's like a very blunt reminder of hey this is also a horror movie
1: She pulls the glass out of her eye, and we get uh, another awesome kind of POV shot with half the screen red.
0: I liked that. I thought that was cool.
1: That is
2: very cool. It it still made me
1: uncomfortable, but it was cool. She kind of blurrily is kind of seeing Brandon move and appear in different spots. So she immediately runs to the freezer in the back, and then we get Brandon lasering the freezer open. And then pouncing on
2: her. Yeah, I, I do. I, I found some like unintentional comedy in the scene where she goes to the all, all the way to the back of the freezer and she's like looking for like a hidden door or
1: something.
0: Yeah, I'm like, where are you going? I was <laughs> like, don't you work here?
2: That's a
1: freezer. We get the first look of his red mask.
0: It kind of reminded me of a uh, trick
1: or treat a little bit. Oh, that's a yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, it's creepy. She's gone, and uh, we cut to the next morning he's like oh hi mom and dad everything's fine now we're all good yeah
0: and this is another okay this is another moment because the parents are in the kitchen and they're like okay when he comes out we're just gonna sit him down we're gonna talk to him tonight everything's gonna be fine like they're so nervous and then he comes out and he's like oh i'm good everything's fine and you're just gonna accept that like big red flag big red flag like everywhere big red flag Don't even try to talk to him about it. Don't even try to prompt him to talk about it. Just accept when he says it's fine and move on with your day. Go grocery shopping, milk the cows, get the eggs from the chickens. Oh, wait, you can't.
2: (laughs) Again, I I do kind of like this. I mean, not so much the reaction from the parents, but like Brandon, because it's pretty much showing he's a serial killer, like a psychopath. He has no remorse here in... I feel like that the movie is, is trying to differentiate him so like, he's not like this world beater supervillain like Thanos. He is specifically a serial killer that happens to have superpowers.
1: We cut to him going because now his suspension is lifted. He goes to have his counseling session with his aunt, where he basically states to his aunt, I am the superior race. And everyone will bow to me eventually.
0: I am the walrus.
1: Cuckoo, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> And the ants like, you know, um, Brandon, I have to meet with the sheriff tomorrow. I got to tell him that you're okay now. So just tell me what I want to hear. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm going to have to. T- I can't lie. And it's like, Okay.
2: There's just so many checks and balances that he is just breaking through. And
0: <laughs> I know. Well, that's why you don't put the kid with counseling with his aunt. That seems like common sense, but what do I know?
1: It's, it's it's fucked up. But then we get to that night. He goes to the aunt's house. We get the the now common horror trope of, oh, there's a motion sensor light in the back.
0: Yeah, they kept fucking around with the motion sensor thing. And I'm like, okay, are we going to kill this lady or not? And then they end up not. And I'm like, okay, then why did we do all of that? <laughs> Brandon comes to the house, sees the aunt. The aunt tells him to leave. He supposedly leaves. But then later on, he's back in the house hiding in the closet. The aunt's husband finds him in the closet and starts driving him home and then he's the one that dies so i feel like it was just a misdirect because they've spent all this time fucking around with the aunt thinking that brandon's gonna kill her but then at the end of the sequence brandon ends up killing the uncle
2: i gotta say i i do really love the the, this scene of him stalking his aunt i got a lot of enjoyment out of this just like from like a horror fan the movie does a good job of like not letting you know where he is all the time this was probably one of my favorite like scary parts of the movie
1: so uncle noah was at the bar with kyle and he's like you know i'm gonna go home so i think he is going to kill the aunt but is interrupted by noah coming home and when Noah comes home, Noah's like brushing his teeth in the bathroom and he catches a glimpse of Brandon flying behind him into the closet. So now he's, he's on the fly and Noah goes into the closet, sees Brandon in probably one of the best lines in the movie. What the fuck are you doing? Aunt Marilee was helping me with my homework. No, what the fuck are you doing in my closet wearing this creepy mask? It's not creepy. You scared the shit out of me, you weirdo. I'm taking you home. When Brandon puts back on the mask, throws Noah into the garage, Noah decides, I'm going to drive away instead of <laughs> going back into my house.
0: Yes, where my wife is sleeping <laughs> innocently and alone and vulnerable.
1: Yeah, that was an odd choice. We get a cool scene where Brandon rams into the side of Noah's truck causing it to stall and he's trying to start it. The lights are coming on. Brandon's getting closer and closer. And then Brandon lifts the truck into the air and drops it on its front causing Noah to go face first into the wheel, breaking his bottom jaw off.
2: It's rad. I love this. It's so good.
0: (laughs) When Brandon first like crashed the car, it was so it happened so quick and i was like oh is that it like they're just gonna they didn't even show anything really and then like within like two seconds they cut back to noah and his jaws all fucked up i was like oh my god it looked so sick
2: it's fabulous and then brandon like dips his index finger into his blood and like paints his symbol on the crime scene and it's so good i honestly thought when he was reaching his hand in there that he's going to like gouge his eyes out. That's where I thought we were going. I thought he was going to like
0: like, lick it. (laughs) Is that (laughs) such a like a fucking like tropey thing for villains to do? Like take the blood and be like, "Mm, the spoils of my labor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think the fact that he gets down and stares at Noah and then pulls off the mask because he's used the mask. This whole time as, like, the kind of separation between his two personalities. Right. Very
0: Holden Caulfield. (laughs) The fucking horror version of Holden Caulfield.
1: Oh, God. But I think this is now showing that they are truly one and the same. This is not two separate personalities. That, honestly, probably my favorite kill of the entire movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, Brandon shows up home. After not telling his parents where he's been, comes up with some cockamamie lie about a soccer game in the middle of the night.
0: Brandon comes in with no shirt on, holding his ripped shirt in his hand, and he says to his parents, "He's like, oh yeah, I was playing soccer, and the kids were making fun of me because they I ripped my shirt and da da da." da and it's like, okay, so now you're purposely lying and like trying to gain sympathy.
1: But but Kyle knows he's lying
0: oh, well, that's, I was so scared because he spews out this obvious fucking lie and then he goes up to his room and I'm like, oh my God, if they're about to just let this go, I'm going to fucking scream. And then (laughs) the second Brandon leaves, Tori and Kyle turn to each other and like, okay, he's obviously lying. I'm like, okay, thank God. (laughs) They're not complete fucking idiots.
2: Again, it's just like them, they can't get on the same page on what to do with this. So it just keeps getting delayed because of that.
0: But it's made even more clear how Kyle feels about the whole thing when we go to his dream sequence, which I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I liked the dream sequence here. I mean, in horror movies in general, the dream sequence scare type thing is kind of a trope, I guess. But I, I felt like it was padding a little
2: bit. I agree with you. I do like this dream sequence here. I think it would have benefited from like some of the notes that like Scott has said. That, like It would have been nice if we kind of got... A scene at the beginning of the movie. And I was kind of getting some like Stranger Things vibes from this. It kind of felt like the upside down as he walked through the threshold almost.
0: But uh, basically, in the dream sequence, he's dreaming about the night that they found baby Brandon. And he dreams of Tori holding the baby in her arms and blood is like pouring down her body and her face is all creepy and spoopy.
1: It's, it's, it's good. Then. They get a call from the aunt saying that Noah is dead and they won't let her see the body. Because it's all fucked up. Afterwards, they go and tell Brandon that Uncle Noah is dead.
0: This scene was really good. I really liked this scene because I was like, finally, someone's having a normal reaction to Brandon's bullshit. (laughs) Because they tell him that Uncle Noah is dead who mind you at the birthday party they had in the beginning of the movie like five fucking minutes ago they were like la di da da i love uncle noah and then they tell the kid that uncle noah's dead and he's like okay what do you want me to do you want me to cry or something and i'm like oh what the, fuck? and then the mom's like um honey do you understand what i said uncle noah's gone and the dad's just like You had something to do with this. And he grabs Brandon by the arm. And then before you know it, Brandon is like throwing his father through a fucking wall. (laughs) It's like, oh my God.
1: Uh, While this is all going on, the sheriff finally realizes that this symbol in blood at the accident matches the symbol that was drawn on the window of the diner. And they kind of look like two bees next to each other hmm
2: somebody with a brain is in this movie
0: (laughs) oh my goodness get fun fact about the the sheriff and his partner first of all it's the older black gentleman who's the sheriff and then his partner or like his deputy who's a, a female with really like short auburn hair and I, b- when she first showed up on the screen looking really quickly i could have sworn to god it was molly ringwald and i got really excited <laughs> i was like is that molly ringwald and then i looked on imdb i'm like oh no it's not
2: <laughs> oh six million dollars no no that wasn't her yeah
0: <laughs> but uh yeah exactly but then the sheriff i recognized too and I was like where do I know him from and I realized um he played it's <laughs> just gonna be like a totally random deep cut and it's gonna make me look stupid because I didn't actually watch this show I watched people online that make fun of this show he was a main player on Baywatch for a long long time he played like the security guard on the beach and like David ba- Hasselhoff's best friend oh, okay and I recognized him because I watched this show on YouTube that goes through every episode of Baywatch and just, like, endlessly makes fun of it because it's so campy and stupid. But, yeah, shout-out to Gregory Allen Williams <laughs> of Baywatch fame. Hey,
2: in both both positions, he's he's watching after our, the, our lives. You know, he's,
0: he's... Oh, yes. He is still guarding our lives to this
1: day. <laughs> down at the bay.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So, Kyle decides he's gonna take Brandon on a hunting trip and he tells Tori to show that he still loves Brandon but uh that's not the real reason. We'll get there.
0: We're we're taking old Yeller out into the woods.
2: <laughs> yeah, this was kinda questionable just all around. Because I mean like what if you're wrong?
1: <laughs> After he leaves the sheriff comes to Tori with oh, right, right, right. the information that These two symbols were at both crime scenes. But also, there's no one else in this town who has the initials BB. I'll let that go.
0: But mind you, though, the first victim, even though she just disappeared, was connected to Brandon, as was Noah. So I can understand why he'd think that.
1: But yeah, Tori automatically runs upstairs and sees Brandon's journal covered in the symbol. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And then she keeps looking through it and she sees like drawings of murder and fucking take the world written over and over and over again. It's like, okay, is this not something? Because you know he draws a lot in this one notebook. In all of this time where he's had clear emotional problems and violent disturbances and all of this stuff, it didn't never occur to you to take a little peek into his journal and see what he's doodling?
1: That's an invasion of privacy, Frankie. Oh, my
0: God, Scott. Listen, if I'm your mom and you live in my house and you're 12 years old, I own the air you breathe, okay? I can look at whatever (laughs) I want to.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. The... I do love the when she does find the journal because, you know, we're talking about, you know, him is obsession with like dissections and everything behind her. We see that there's like a, a frog dissection model. I don't know if you all saw that, but they kind of like had that in there, which is like they had to buy that for him. Like he had to like ask that for Christmas at some point.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah, I I don't think that there was, like, a Fisher-Price frog dissection (laughs) kit for for, for this holiday season, kids. Be sure to ask your parents, yeah. Oh,
1: my God. (laughs) Now we go to the hunting trip, and Kyle's walking slightly behind Brandon, points his gun at his son, pulls the trigger.
0: And nothing happens. (laughs) What a shock.
1: (laughs) And Brandon turns, and again, this is a moment where you're like... I think if we had, again, a little more time establishing them as a relationship, because he does have a really, I think the relationship with him and Tori is better established than with him and Kyle.
0: Yeah, I, th- I agree. I think if their father-son relationship was a little stronger, more well-developed, this would have hit a lot deeper.
2: Yeah. And yeah, this whole scene was, I don't know, it, it felt forced to me. I don't know.
0: It did a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I get what they were going for, and it could have worked. But I I feel like it all comes back to the, the pacing issues and just the overall issues of, like, development throughout the movie because everything's kind of really almost too fast. So you kind of don't have the chance to breathe and really take in the moment.
1: But now we are ramped up to 11. Kyle goes to reload his gun. Brandon has disappeared. And as has reappeared in his costume, picks up his father and fucking laser beams him through the eyes.
0: That broke my heart just because I love David Denman. But yeah, that was that was rough.
1: Oh, that was such a good And great he's kill. like begging
0: for his it life.
2: Was, it was really it was sweet in like, a, like an awesome way. Yeah, I, I did love this kill. And again, we're getting some variety here because now he's using his laser beams, which we haven't seen him use on people yet, I don't think. I was kind of worried that he was just going to, like, slam him against a tree and, like, that was it. But, no, they went ahead and just, yeah, let's just go ahead and just shoot two holes in his head.
0: Do you think he ever used that heat vision to, like, you know, make a mean Hot Pocket or a Pop-Tart before going to school? He's like, oh, I'm running late. I got to get real quick breakfast.
2: <laughs> I'll be damned you if know? I eat a cold Pop-Tart. <laughs> <laughs> what am I? What am I, a farmer? <laughs>
1: Uh, Tori gets a call from Kyle's phone and goes, "Oh, Kyle, you were right," but it's not Kyle on the phone. It's Brandon saying, "Dad's gone, and I'm home," and he crushes the phone. Yes, yes, because it, it then cuts
2: to like him floating outside the house. So we see him. Oh, it's that was a really cool cool scene. I like that.
1: It's so scary because now he starts shaking the house. He's going through the house, chasing her down, and of course the sheriff and his deputy come.
2: And I think his deputy or something says, like she she says like a like a code, like a, like a two forty seven or something like that. I was like, why do you have this like in in the handbook? <laughs> yeah, what
0: is that code? I wonder. <laughs> Fucking magical being, <laughs>
1: supervillain attacked. Yeah, two forty seven, <laughs>
0: destroying house.
1: <laughs> Brucker hosts his show. And he does kill grades. And one of his grades involves how shocking the kill is.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, I know where you're going with this.
1: (laughs) So the cops show up. And how fucking shocking is it to watch the sheriff literally get obliterated on the front doorstep?
2: This was awesome.
0: Yeah, he just gets splatted like fucking Frogger. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) it came out of nowhere.
2: (laughs) yeah yeah this was awesome you know that like they had to get like one of these kind of kills in, in it and this was great and the the best part is that they kind of show the, the splattered body of the sheriff afterwards because i would have really knocked off some points if like you know they just see him flash off screen and that's it but now we actually get to see the damage it's great
1: uh, it, it's so brutal it's so quick though and you look at the deputy who's like what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, she's
0: shitting her little pants.
1: She tells Tori to hide, and then we get another great shot where Tori's under the bed, and we look into the background where Brandon is literally lifting the deputy and crashing her into the ceiling multiple times to kill her, like a child having a temper tantrum with a fucking toy. Puberty is a hell of a drug. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, just mashing police officers into into the ceiling. I've been there. <laughs>
0: no one understands me oh god mom i want to go out with my friends bash
2: you don't have friends nobody likes it you're a shit kid
0: we don't care how much you know about wasp there brandon (laughs) watch a fucking cartoon (laughs) jesus but anyway he kills the sheriff and the deputy
1: oh he actually did shoot the deputy (laughs) Ah, Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Oh. Dumb
0: joke. (laughs) Bad joke. Bad.
1: Bad joke. I'll take the booze. I'll take the booze. So Tori gets away and goes, oh, wait, the ship. So she goes running to the barn. Brandon's been shown to have super speed and super hearing. How she gets to the barn without him catching her is another story. Yeah,
2: they kind of like forget he has super speed when it's convenient in this, so.
0: She goes into the barn to get a piece of the ship. She breaks off a piece of it, breaks off a piece of that Kit Kat bar <laughs> so she can defend herself against her, her son. But in the meantime, when she's doing so, she happens to find the little girl's mom from earlier all crumpled up and dead like
2: honestly great jump scare like i loved it because at this point i kind of already forgotten about this person and then you kind of they kind of go ahead and tie that loose end and it oh it, it got me it got me pretty good i love it
0: she does the whistle game with him again she's trying to find brandon and they do the whistle game and it's it's i do like that they did that callback
1: from before well yeah because At one point, Brandon's searching the house for her and does it, and it's so scary now.
0: Yeah. It has a whole new meaning to it. I like that.
1: Brandon lands. She pulls the mask off him.
0: Yeah, they have this really heartbreaking moment where she's like, I know there's good in you. I love you. You're my miracle. All this really heart-wrenching stuff, and she's crying, and he tells her, I want to be good, Mom. I really do, and they hug, and you think it's over, But you only think that for like a split second, because then immediately she pulls her hand up like she's going to stab him in the back with the piece of the ship. And of course, he catches her arm and up they go into the sky. (laughs) It's a bird. It's a
2: plane.
1: It's a psychopath.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: And this is fucking cold. This
0: is blooded. This was really intense. I think the score really, really helps with this moment because it's just this booming fucking score. And then whoosh, he drops her and down she goes. And it's like, oh, like it's, it's really, really intense. The score in that moment is so fucking good.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's it's the most emotional. I mean, kill of the movie.
1: Definitely, definitely. The other thing is like this is his last human connection. That's what makes it like he's now gone.
2: Hmm. I guess I I really do. I mean, it's not like a super sexy kill or anything. But I kind of I, I like I I honestly like really like this kill a lot. I think it's because there's so much emotion behind it, and just him bursting through the roof of the barn and going up that high was kind of like. Him getting out like some frustration too with everything, because it was was slightly less personal than like how he killed his father. Because you know he he held his father in his hands as he died was as he was killing him. But it was like for his mom, he was just like, I can't really watch you die, so I'm just going to like drop you and just like turn turn my eye to this.
0: And then the next part kind of threw me off a little bit. We see a plane come across the sky, and I'm like, okay, plane, what's happening with the plane? And then Scott's like, wait for it. And I'm like, what? And then the next scene, it's like, oh, the plane crash and 200 and something something people were killed, including the people in the house, Tori and Kyle, so and so. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and there's one survivor. And then you just see Brandon in an ambulance eating a cookie. And you're like, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> no. Brilliant. 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 Then he just goes and starts blowing up buildings.
0: Yeah. Oh, that was fucking nuts. But then we get the the end credits, which start with a uh, Billie Eilish song, which like I'm all about. I love Billie Eilish, but like it just seems so out of place. I'm the bad guy. Duh. <laughs> but then we get the Michael Rooker scene, which basically Michael Rooker who uh most people would know as Yandu from Guardians of the Galaxy or Merle from The Walking Dead. Awesome actor. He basically plays like this YouTube conspiracy theorist and throughout the end credits he alludes to basically a twisted Justice League. He talks about different uh superpowered creatures and beings that are out there the
1: legion of doom
0: yeah basically he alludes to a sea creature which we're assuming is kind of a twisted aquaman he talks about a witch strangling people with ropes which i would think is wonder woman maybe
2: let's not kink shame man i mean that's (laughs) uh, what's (laughs)
0: um and, and then he talks about the crimson bolt which is a superhero character in another James Gunn movie called Super played by Rain Wilson, who had some similarities to Batman kind of, so that's that was kind of cool. so they they are kind of leaving it open to the possibility of there being some kind of sequel, which I think would be cool if it happens if it doesn't, I think that works too. I think this is a perfectly fine movie on its own.
1: mm-hmm,
2: I agree.
0: But yeah, that was Brightburn, guys. Whoop.
1: um so brooker as our horror expert here <laughs> what's your rating and what's your final opinion on this movie now that we've gone through it all
2: i will say okay so the first time i watched this i was kind of teetering on three and a half or four stars and i w- i came off of this super high like i, I mean like like i loved this movie not like but uh <laughs> 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 but original. so if you look on my letterbox right now i have it at four stars It's mostly because, one, I had a blast watching it. Like, I wasn't bored. The kills were awesome. Lots of good varieties in this. I loved how it focused on the parents, as I kind of talked about earlier. I loved how it focused on them. And I love how they're making him specifically like a serial killer and not a, like, world beater supervillain. There's lots of ties. Like, he has his own symbol, like the Zodiac Killer. Uh, He wears a mask and he like hears voices in his head telling him to do things. And that made me think of like David Berkowitz a little bit. But after talking with you all about like, oh, yeah, the pacing was a little off. Uh, It would have been a little bit better to have this. So I might be back at like three and a half. But I still recommend this movie.
0: Yeah, I would recommend this movie as well. I ended up giving it a three out of five. Like we've been saying, I do think that the pacing was off and there was a lot to be desired in the execution of the movie. However, there are a lot of good things in it too. I just wish that it gave us a little bit more than we got. But other than that, I I was overall satisfied
1: with the flick. This is now the second time I've watched it. I've been teetering with a three and a half to a three. There are parts I really love about it. I love the Superman mythos. I do love that they get to things really quickly. I do love the score. I think everybody does their job pretty well acting-wise. Could this have benefited from being an hour 40 minutes instead of an hour 30? Of course. But you know what? For what we got, I enjoy it. I'll go more towards frankie with a free but i i would 3.25 i see is a perfect like little
0: in between yeah i definitely had a lot of fun with this movie and i definitely had a lot of fun talking about it with Brucker. before we get to our outro i just want to give our friend Brucker one more shot to plug the shit out of his show because it's fucking awesome autopsy of a horror movie how can people check that out
2: yeah, you could check out Autopsy of a Horror Movie anywhere you find podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, uh, Pocket Cast, YouTube, uh, pretty much anywhere. And uh, be sure to check me out on Instagram as well, at Brucker Horror. I am starting to kind of like write like these little blogs and like short like little blurbs and things like that. Also my Buy Me a Coffee page. Those are free. Uh (laughs) but uh yeah and also if people want to come check out my show I had uh Scott and Frankie on to we we'd rank the kills in a much lesser movie, a scary movie it was still a total blast again us three getting together to talk about that movie and rank the kills in it but yeah, yeah check out autopsy for horror movie anywhere you listen to podcasts and guys i had so much fun talking about *Brightburn*. and thank you so much for exposing this movie to me because i've been meaning to watch it for such a long time
1: yeah it was great having you on you are an amazing guest i actually just recently listened to your kill grade on Star Wars, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith.
0: Oh my god, I still have to listen to that. I was so excited when I saw that. He did it for the uh, May the 4th be with you.
1: (laughs) I had to do something for Star Wars Day.
0: And it was so good. Like, I was so excited because I hate that
1: movie. (laughs) (laughs) Brucker is great, everybody. If you have the time, go follow him. Go comment, like, all that stuff. He's amazing.
2: You guys are too nice. Thank you.
0: And next week is going to be a very special week because it's going to fall on our wedding anniversary. So we're going to have a very special movie review next week. So stay tuned for that. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks.
1: I'm Scott Eisenberg.
0: Make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our splendiferous, fantastical movie
1: adventure. I am, I am, I am